Today is a very special day, and if you're a guest with us this morning, we want to say a very warm welcome to you. We're, we're ending our series on Restart today with a message that I'm titling, Restart Your Identity. And I want to talk about how we view ourselves and what our identity is today. And water baptism really is all about a brand new identity. For every person that's going in the water today, they're going to emerge with a new identity. And, you know, we all have some pieces of paper that give us our identity as Americans. Now, I want you to think about this a little bit. In fact, you, you know, if you want to, you can pull out your wallet and see if you've got any of these in your wallet. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that identify us as Americans is a Social Security card, right? This is one of the earliest things that we get that identifies us as Americans. I remember when I got my Social Security card, it was about the time I got my first job when I was 14 years old. And uh, for a very long time, we haven't been able to hold jobs unless you have a social security. Well, you can, you can probably get paid under the table, and I'm not going to sh- ask for a raise of hands, but you, know, you, can, you can work without a social security card. But, but if you're obeying the law, you use that social security card because it enables you to get a job, right? It enables you to get a job. And that's a great privilege that we have as Americans. It also enables you to get benefits from the government if you qualify for those kinds of things. You just need a social security card. But one of the limitations of living your life with just a social security card is you can't drive a car until you get a a driver's license. And when you're growing up, this is usually the next step in in expanding your freedom. You're no longer dependent upon mom or dad or on the big yellow buses. You've got a driver's license. In fact, uh, several connectors have just gotten driver's licenses in the last couple of weeks. So my best advice to all of you is to stay off the sidewalks. And, um, And a driver's license gives you lots of privileges. Now we can travel with far less limitations. We can go further than mom or dad can take us. We can go further than the bus lines can take us. But just like the social security card, there's limitations to the privileges that a driver's license gives you because you can't travel to Canada. You can't travel to Mexico. You can't get on a plane to even fly to Denver unless you have a passport, right? So a passport gives you all kinds of more freedom. Once you've been approved and you've got a passport with your picture on it and they've done the background checks, all that kind of stuff, now you have a lot more freedom. And you can literally, with some exceptions, you can literally travel all over the world once you have a a passport. It gives you lots of freedom. But your passport, sadly, is not going to get you into heaven. How many of you know passport's not going to get you into heaven? Okay, it's not going to happen. You're going to have to have some sort of different identity to get you off this globe and and into heaven. And and that's really what water baptism is all about. And I don't want to give you the impression that water baptism earns you salvation. It's not that. Salvation is just simply by grace. But water baptism is closely tied to who you are and what your identity is. And I want to ask you a question this morning. What is your identity? I left you a space in your notes, uh, I, I, and I, I just invite you if, you, if you want to, to just write some things down in there about what your identity is. Lots of us identify with our jobs, okay? I'm a pastor. My wife is a histotechnologist. If you don't know what that is, um, it's a really gross job. You probably don't want to know what it is. Um, but I'm talking about an identity that goes deeper than our jobs. What is your spiritual identity? What's your spiritual identity? 
Some of you might write down saved. You might write down righteous. You might write down holy. Those are some identities that you could have in your identity with Christ. Or you might identify yourself as a sinner. You might identify yourself as a failure or a screw-up, especially if your mom or dad spoke those words over you and they said, you're nothing but a big screw-up. Some of you have heard those words from your mom and dad. We sing a song, uh, not so often anymore, but for many, many years we sang regularly, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved, nobody's singing, that saved a... All right, some of you might want to write wretch in that. I mean, that goes deep into us, right? That saved a wretch like me. Now, here's something I want you to hear very clearly this morning. I don't think Jesus sees us as wretches. I'm not really sure why the author of that hymn chose that word, but Jesus doesn't see us as wretches. Once we've come to Jesus and our sins have been forgiven, And especially after we've been baptized in water, Jesus doesn't see us as wretches. And I know that he doesn't because of this truth. It's our big idea this morning that you're going to want to write down. Here's the big idea. Jesus took my identity so I could have his. Jesus took my identity and nailed it to the cross so that I could have his identity. Now, you might be here this morning, you might be having a little bit of an identity crisis. I don't know. Uh, We're going to take a look at a story from the book of Acts about a man who was going through a significant identity crisis, and it's a really cool story, and we're going to learn some cool things about that. So if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, would you turn to the book of Acts in the New Testament? It's right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. We're going to start in Acts chapter 8. These verses won't be up on the screen, so uh, it'd be a good idea for you to follow along with us. We've got Bibles back there if you didn't bring one and you want to borrow one or take it home with you if you want to. Uh, And this is a really cool story about one of Jesus' disciples. The story is taking place after Jesus has died and and he's risen from the dead and uh, the disciples have been sent out now on the mission and, and this particular disciple is named Philip. And uh, we don't know a lot about Philip. He doesn't, he doesn't have a lot of stories in, in the Bible, but this is an especially cool story. And uh, in this story, he's going to encounter a guy who's having a huge identity crisis. He is looking to restart his identity. So if you've got your Bibles open, Acts chapter 8, I'm going to start reading at verse 26. And here's what we read. As for Philip... An angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake. Depending on the version you're reading, the the biblical version, your, your version might read under Candace. And Candace is actually a governmental title in Ethiopia. It's not a woman's name. All right? And, and we're gonna, I'll talk about that a little bit more. He was a eunuch of great authority under the Kandaki, the queen of Ethiopia. This eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet 
Isaiah. We're going to put push pause right there and talk about this guy from Ethiopia because it's really clear, if you take a good look at this story, it's really clear that he was having an identity crisis. Very unusual that this man would have been returning from Jerusalem back to Ethiopia after worshiping in the temple. The Bible tells us he's the treasurer of all of Ethiopia, so this was a man who was very, very wealthy. He was an important figure in the government. The Bible also tells us he was a eunuch, and uh, if you don't know what that is, you could Google that. Uh, I, I won't talk about it today. Uh, but, but eunuchs were often employed in governmental positions that required a lot of trust because the idea in the ancient world was that if a man was castrated, he wouldn't be following the normal passions that hormones create in a man. And so uh, this, this was very common for somebody in this high of a government position to be a eunuch. And the Bible says that he had great authority, and he was working for the queen. Actually, uh, that might not even be strong enough if you really understand how government was structured in Ethiopia. In Ethiopia, in the ancient world, the king was believed to be the son of the sun god. And he was so holy, so important, so set apart that he couldn't entangle himself in governmental affairs. So I don't really know what he did all day long, but he didn't have any responsibilities. All the responsibility went to the queen mother. It was actually his mother who ran everything in the government. And so this man was directly accountable to the person that ran everything. It would be like somebody who was directly accountable to the president of the, of the United States. That's who this man was. He had great authority. But here we find this guy just south of Jerusalem. He's been to the temple to worship. Now think about this. He was going through some sort of an identity crisis. He wasn't a Jew. He didn't live in Israel. He wasn't even a Samaritan from a neighboring community. He was from Africa. And he was at the temple worshiping. It doesn't sound like he was even a Jew that had been exiled to Ethiopia. In all likelihood, he was an African man looking for some sort of spiritual truth. He was seeking a foreign religion. And this was a, re a religion that wasn't particularly welcoming to, Ju to, to, to outsiders. Judaism did not welcome outsiders. It didn't welcome eunuchs, if you know anything about Old Testament law. This man was seeking something in a very strange place. He was seeking some kind of a restart to his identity. So let's keep reading. I'm at verse 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside the carriage. I love how the Holy Spirit just speaks to Philip and, and he hears. That's awesome. And that's not just in Bible times. We can hear the Holy Spirit speak today. And verse 30 says, Philip ran over and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Now, this is another thing you might not be aware of is that, that in ancient days, people always read out loud. There was no such thing as silent reading. Uh, people always read out loud. And, and, and so it says that the eunuch was reading from the prophet Isaiah and Philip could hear him reading. And, and this is really a, an extraordinary thing as well because he wasn't reading from his version Bible app on his smartphone. He wasn't reading from the Gideon Bible that he'd li lifted from the Jerusalem Hilton. He wasn't reading from the Bible that his grandmother had given him for his 18th birthday. 
This was way before printing presses were invented. This is before everybody in the world had a Bible in their home because of this explosion of the printing press. He was reading from a scroll that had been handwritten of the prophet Isaiah. And these scrolls were so rare that they were incredibly difficult to come by. They went for huge money. There was no eBay, but if there was, they would go, even today they go for huge money, these scrolls that have survived. They're, they're in museums now, and in those days, they were usually housed in synagogues or they were in libraries, and you couldn't get your hands on one. But this man had enough influence, enough wealth, that somehow he'd gotten his hands on a scroll, a handwritten scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And what this tells us is that this Ethiopian eunuch was dead serious about his quest for a new identity, for a new spiritual discovery. He was dead serious. It wasn't a passing thing. And now he's in his carriage, he's traveling, and he's reading out loud. Let's keep going. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come into the carriage and sit with him. Now this is really cool because Philip's on mission. He's looking for people to bring to Jesus and introduce them to Jesus. And, And the Holy Spirit has directed him to this guy. He jumps in the carriage. And verse 32 says, the passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, you probably recognize that that is a prophecy about Jesus. But until this time, nobody in the world had identified that the prophet Isaiah was foretelling the coming of Jesus and his suffering. Nobody understood that. The idea of a suffering Messiah was completely foreign to the thinkers in in the Jewish world. And so this Ethiopian eunuch didn't get it, but Philip did because he'd witnessed it with his eyes. And so verse 34 says, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this very scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And Philip showed him how Isaiah had predicted that the Messiah would come and suffer. And you might be wondering why, why would the, the Messiah come and suffer? Well, it, it's the message of the gospel. It, it's the understanding that uh, the Bible tells us that every person who sins is under a death penalty. Every one of us who ever does anything that is contrary to the holiness of God, we deserve to die. That's very clearly outlined in the Old Testament. But the Messiah came to suffer so that he could exchange his identity of righteousness with all of us who are unrighteous. And this was laid out very symbolically in the book of Isaiah, but nobody understood it until Jesus came and suffered and died on the cross and rose again. And the message that Philip would have told this Ethiopian eunuch was that Jesus came, he was the Messiah, he was the fulfillment of this prophecy, and he came so that he could exchange his identity. Jesus took my identity so that I could have his. 
And that was the message that Philip told this Ethiopian eunuch. And evidently, that, that eunuch said yes to Jesus, and he experienced this miraculous exchange of identity because the next thing we read is this, verse 36. It says, as they rode along, they came to some water. And we've got a big pool of water over here. Sonny was a little concerned this morning because he didn't get the heat up high enough. So the heater is still on in here. We didn't, we didn't used to have, did you get baptized in the cold water, Patrick? Yeah. <laughs> we should do it again so you can feel, this is nice and warm now. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> it, it was a few months ago that we finally got the heater because we baptized a little girl who shrieked as she went into the water and um, somebody suggested this was kind of like spiritual child abuse. So we thought we better, <laughs> we better get a heater in that water. <laughs> the effect is lasting, absolutely. But that Ethiopian, uh, they, they got to this water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? How awesome is that? Look, there's water. Why can't I be baptized? So he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Now what happened? That Ethiopian found that new identity that he had been seeking diligently. He had been looking for some sort of a spiritual answer. We don't know much about him, but he was seeking something big time and he found it. And so he received Jesus. He went down into the water. He received his new identity. And I want to ask you this morning, every person in this room, do you need a new identity? Do you need a restart? The gospel message is the same for you that it was for that Ethiopian eunuch. Jesus took my identity so I could have his. Jesus took my identity, sinner, screw-up, disappointment, failure. He took that identity, and he took that with him to the cross, paid the penalty for my sin so that I could have his identity. What's his identity? Son of God. Holy. We sang about the holiness of God. Did you know that when you take on the identity of Jesus, he looks at you and he says, you are my righteous son you are my holy daughter that's the new identity that you get from jesus so let's talk just a couple of minutes about the role of water baptism in this change of identity a couple of great verses that we read in the new testament the first one is colossians 2 12 and that's up on the screen here and, and it says this for you were buried with christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. We talked about that mighty power last week that raised Jesus from the dead. And we talked about and we prayed for people to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives last week. This is what this is talking about. But there's some key words in this verse. And if you're taking notes this morning, would you circle them or underline them in your notes the words are with christ would you circle those for you were buried with christ and with him you were raised to new life turn to your neighbor and say with christ you were buried with christ and this is what happens 
In water baptism, we are with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. We're with Christ in his death and resurrection. When we get baptized in water, we join the life of Christ. You know why? Because he joined me on the cross. He took my sins to the cross and paid the penalty for my sins. So now I join him in dying to sin and raising to new life. Jesus took my identity so I could have his. It's kind of a cool thing. In just a few minutes, we're going to show you some videos that we recorded this week uh, from the people that are being baptized in water this morning, and they're going to tell you their stories, and, and uh, it's really exciting. And, and one, of the, one of the kids that's being baptized this morning is River Olson. He's six years old. And uh, so it, it was a little difficult to get a, a video of him, you know, uh, and, and he said some really great things when he was off camera. One of the things he said, his mom asked him, River, what's going to be different about you after you're baptized? And he said, well, after I'm baptized, I'm not going to be able to steal food out of the refrigerator with my neighbor friend. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that because he gets it. He gets it. He's dying to sin. Even a six-year-old can get this dead to sin because I've joined Christ. I'm with Christ. Isn't that cool? Here's another verse, Romans 6, 4. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Again, would you just circle the words with Christ? And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Death couldn't keep Jesus in the grave. And let me tell you something, Josiah is going to be helping me today, uh, baptizing people in the water, uh, and, and I'll guarantee you this, Josiah is not going to be able to keep people under the water, okay? It's, I mean, he could maybe try, but in all likelihood, they're going to come up out of that water. That water isn't going to hold them under. Why? Because something's going to rise up. If he tried to keep them under, something's going to rise up, and they're going to struggle, and they're going to fight to get to the air, Right? Death couldn't hold Jesus. And listen, the water's not going to hold people in there. And in the same way, once you're reborn and join Christ in his life, you can't help but change. You can't stay in that old life. The power of the Holy Spirit comes and changes your identity. You're no longer a wretch. You're no longer a sinner. You're righteous, you're holy, and everything changes. Your identity changes. Verse 6 of Romans chapter 6 says this, we know that our old sinful lives were crucified with Christ. You can circle those words again. So that sin might lose its power in your lives. How many of you need sin to lose its power? It's a matter of changing your identity. We are no longer slaves to sin. Listen, you're no longer slaves to sin. I came across something that's really, really fascinating to me this week that I, I had never learned before. Christians in the ancient church, clear, clear back to the time of Jesus, Christians were being baptized, right? And, and in the ancient church, Christians took this idea so seriously that they were joining the life of Christ, that when they were baptized, they wanted to identify with Christ in every way possible. So one of the practices in the very, very ancient church that we don't practice anymore, one of the things that they would do is before they went into the water, they would strip off all of their clothes and they would go into the water naked. Do you know why? Because Jesus was crucified naked. 
And they wanted to identify with the experience of Jesus. They wanted to identify the humiliation of Jesus. They wanted to completely join Christ in his death and his resurrection. Now, we're not going to do that today. All right? That would be really awkward. Right, yes. <laughs> Jake, you got baptized in a pool, so you, you can't complain. <laughs> but I want you to understand how seriously ancient Christians took this. And today, I want you to know I am dead serious about what's happening over in this water today. Baptism is not just ritual. You can write that down. Baptism is not just ritual. Baptism is not just symbol. I mean, it symbolizes some things. It symbolizes that we're dying to the old life and rising to the new life. But it's more than that. It's not even just obedience. It it takes a heart of obedience to do this in front of all kinds of people. But really, the best description I can give you today about baptism is that it is an exchange of identity. It's an exchange of identity. Jesus took my identity so that I could have his. Now, you might be wondering what happened to that Ethiopian eunuch. The Bible doesn't tell us much about him, but early Christian writings tell us that when that Ethiopian eunuch came out of the water, not only did he rise up out of a pool, But early Christian writings tell us that he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he went back to Ethiopia and became a missionary to the people of Ethiopia. And you know what happened? The entire nation of Ethiopia turned to Jesus Christ. Ethiopia was the first nation on the globe to adopt Christianity as the state religion. And we could argue whether or not that was a good idea or not. But the end result is, to this day, 63% of people in Ethiopia are professing Christ followers. 63%. In fact, if you look at a map, you could Google this. If you look at a map of the Muslim world where they color in all the nations, you will see that Ethiopia is in a, a region that's called the 4060 window, I think, or something like that. And Ethiopia is a big shining Christian spot in the Muslim world. They have resisted the spread of Islam because they are they have historically been committed to Jesus Christ. That's the power of a changed identity. This man went back to Ethiopia and changed his world. What can happen when you and I experience the same change of identity? How can we change our worlds when we understand we are with Christ? We're dead to the old life. Our sin and our failure and our screw-ups have been nailed to the cross, and we've been resurrected to new life. And we're walking with Jesus in obedience in a completely new identity. I'm holy, I'm righteous, I make different decisions, I make different choices, and I will change my world just like the Ethiopian eunuch. Here's what we're going to do. I want to wrap this up. In just a couple of minutes, uh, we're going to invite the kids. But before we sing and before we switch into our, our time of baptizing people, I want to ask the question that the Ethiopian eunuch asked Philip. Stay with me for just a second. Let me ask you this question. Acts 8.37 says, They came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's some water. Why can't I be baptized? 
And I want to say to every one of you in this room, look, there's some water and it's warm. Why can't you be baptized? Now, we've got three people being baptized today, and I'm really excited about, about baptizing these people. But it doesn't have to be just them. I want to throw this out to all of you this morning. If you need to restart your identity and you want to say to the world today, I'm ready for a new identity. I want my past to be nailed to the cross with Jesus and I want to be resurrected to new, new life. Why can't you be baptized today? I want to invite you to do it. And if, if that's you, as soon as we start singing this morning, what I want you to do is go back to the Welcome Center back there and Pam and my wife, Chris, they're going to help you. We've got some shirts you can wear. We've even got shorts and sweats you can wear because I'm sure you didn't bring a change of clothes. We brought extra towels. And if you want to restart your identity and join uh, the people being baptized today, it, it's open to you. There's some water. Why can't you be baptized? It's your day. Change your identity. Kathy came and just shared something that I think is, is very, very true. She said, uh, when you receive Jesus, you become an anointed child of God. There's a lot of people that think everybody's a child of God. Uh, the truth is, everybody's a part of God's creation. But you become his child when you receive Jesus. That's the power of this changed identity. Um, we've got some people that are going to be spontaneously baptized. This is going to be an awesome day. Um, so go ahead and have a seat, would you? Go ahead and have a seat. And I want you to see the, the video testimonies first. Um, and, and we've got three. And then we're going to pray and, and put people in the water. Uh, this first one is River Olson. I told you about him. He's actually going to be baptized in the second service. He's six years old. Take a look at his video. What made you decide you wanted to be baptized? And I heard about it that there was baptism. And then I was laying in bed when it was time for me to go to bed. And then I thought about it and then I told my mom and I said that I could and said that I could. And that's how I wanted to get baptized. Why well, I wanted to get baptized with this. Tell everybody what? About that. Jesus is in my heart. Do you think other kids your age should get baptized? Yes. Do you think they should come to know Jesus mm -hmm. as their Savior and Lord? Mm -hmm. You do? Are you excited? Yeah. How excited? Uh, super excited. You're super excited? <laughs> and then uh, in this service we've got two people and, and some spontaneous people Caden Entringer is our next video 
Caden. I am eight years old. I go to Highlight Elementary. So when Jesus is living in my heart, um, when he when Jesus is living in my heart, I feel very loveful and I feel a light in my heart. I feel a light in my head. And every time when he speaks to me every night, I pray to Jesus and God. So when I heard his voice, I said, yes, Jesus. And then he was speaking to me. I'm like, I love you, Jesus. I love you with all my heart. And thank you, Lord. And I am glad we have you. So I want to be baptized because I will be a friend of God. I'll be a son of God and Jesus. And I'll be the most loved full kid that God and Jesus will ever love. What's going to be different in your life after you're baptized? Um, I won't do bad stuff anymore. Two, I won't play that much of the video games. Three, I won't throw fits. And four, um, 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 uh, I, my old body will go, it will die, and my new body will rise up. I want to say thank you to the church, thank you to Grandma Tracy, thank you to Papa Delight, thank you to um, my class, and thank you for, um, I mean, thank you, Grandma Benji. <laughs> Isn't that great? And then one more uh, is Jason Anderson. Take a look at Jason's video. raised by my father and he helped start a new church and I was just involved in everything and I used to put up the music during worship and you know I'd be, when youth group was starting I'd be right there and it was really just a part of my growing up you know everything was about going to church and getting to know God when I went through high school I, uh, I started to push away, not not in a cerebral sense, but more just, I knew it, now that I know it, I can kind of do it on my own. I, I was thinking about it, how I believed all of this that I'd grown up in, it, it was in the back of my head, I understood it, but it wasn't a connection with my heart, and it wasn't a relationship with God, it was just, I know what it's supposed to look like, I can pick and choose what's being used in my life and I can apply as I go. So I was going through life, um, young, 25 years old. I had a good job, um, I'm married, my wife has a good job. We have a house that is paying for itself. I felt like my plan was succeeding fairly well and I felt secure in everything that I had built up. And then it just started crumbling and I tried very hard to control the situation and it just got worse and to the point where I'm here with just rubble of what I had tried so hard to build and I, it kind of just, it just hit me. First of all, I can't get back up without some kind of help. I was just really stuck down. 
So I reached out to God, and now it's just it's a rebuilding of my life, but this time on His foundation, not my own. Growing up, I would always be asked, do you want to get baptized? And there was a point where I thought about it, and my brother, who was a couple years younger, had done it. But something I knew inside wasn't right. Uh, like I, um, I knew that I wasn't committing myself to Jesus the way that everybody talked about. And so I withheld because it just didn't feel right to me. And I didn't want to just go through the motions and make people happy. Baptism to me seemed like too personal of a thing to just do. But to me, it was a little more personal. So I wanted to, I just never did it because I wanted to wait for the right moment. And how everything has been changed now in the last couple of months with me, I just want to signify the, the fact that the old way of living is gone and, and I just want to be reborn as a new Christian in the family of God. Um, I first heard about Connect probably in 2012. I just been in a, a pretty bad car wreck and somebody came and knocked at the door for the 4th of July celebration going on down at River Rock Pond. We lived in River Rock at the time. And I was on crutches and so I wasn't planning on going anywhere, but I, we hobbled down there and we had fun meeting everybody. And so that was the first time we were exposed to Connect. Um, we would have family come to town and they asked, are you going to church? And I go, sure, let's go to Connect Church. So, you know, we came and everybody knew Connect Church. Have you gone, gone to the donut church this week? And um, so we'd go every once in a while. Um, but when I really came to start seeking God, I needed, I needed other believers around me and I needed to surround myself with people who I could open up to and help me grow. So since I've um, turned my life around and given it to, to Jesus, the, the biggest changes that I've seen in my life is I'm able to give control to, to Jesus rather than me trying to control the situation, whether that be because I think I know better or just out of like a desperate attempt to micromanage everything to protect myself and so I'm able to it's a peace that I'm able to just take it off my shoulders give it to him in prayer and trust that it'll all work out and can move step by step like that and that's been a big change in my life since I turned on my phone Alright, those of you that are being baptized would you join me up here on the stage please real quickly this is so exciting. This is Jason's little brother came to watch Jason be baptized today. and He's going to be baptized. Um, and uh, I'm going to ask some of our leaders, would you come and, and lay hands on these guys? We're going to pray in just a moment. Uh, but first of all, can I just ask all of you guys, have each of you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes. Have you renounced Satan in all of his ways? Yes. Are you ready to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? All right, let's pray. Come on, some of you leaders, move quickly, would you please? Thank you, Jesus, for each of these people being baptized today. And Lord, we pray today that as they go under the water, Lord, you will take that old life and you will bury it, Lord. Bury it in that water. Bury it in the ground with you. Jesus, we pray that all the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon each one of these people today. Thank you, Lord, for the new life and the change of life. I pray, Lord, that the power of sin will be broken, the identity of the old life will be broken, and they will be raised up, Lord, filled with the Spirit, ready to serve God for the rest of their lives. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everybody say amen. Amen. amen.